Welcome to Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. Yes, welcome to A Deeper Dive. I'm Mark Presley, and we're excited about today's episode because we got a ton of questions this week. But before I get into all that, well, let me let me move forward a little. We're in Romans. We've been working through Romans since January, I think, with the 155 weeks in there. And if you haven't gone back to watch or listen to those episodes, uh, we talked to two or three ministers and kind of took a deeper dive about ministry here at First McKinney. But I'm here with Sam, and this past week, he preached Romans 14, the very first of it, 1 through 12. It was kind of on judging others, uh, all sorts of stuff, and and we got a ton of questions. Yep. I, I applaud those of you who sent us, and there's some tough questions, really, and which I love because we get to take a deeper dive. That's the whole purpose of this podcast. And I'm sitting here with Sam. I know last week we talked to Justin, and uh, we've got... A bunch plan for the rest of the, as we go through this year and, and work through the end of Romans. I know next week we have Romans 13 through, well, you said you might go into chapter 5 a little. But yeah, end of yeah. Romans uh, 14, and it overlaps with the first part of 15, so I'm still wrestling with when I actually stop for Sunday. Well, and, and, and I know we wrestle each time with what questions we're going to go with for this podcast, and I know we even got some that, you know, on what happens, uh, why do... Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. You know, we get tons of questions, and the way you can submit those is uh, text the word question to 96123. You can do that anytime during the week, but we'll put it up on slides during the sermon. If you're here in person or watching online, you can always do that then, too. Question 96123, we put them all together, and then Sam Sam and I sit here and kind of go through those. But before we do... Justin took a moment last week to talk about our fantasy football team. I don't know if y'all are familiar with fantasy football, but Sam and I had to compete against each other this week. Uh, I don't want to talk about this. And both of us, for the record, we've been doing this league for about four years. Both of us have at least one ring. Now, one of us, Sam, has two rings, and the whole league is determined to take him down. And I don't know why we're talking about this. Like, he's the Alabama of this fantasy league. And last night... I had a certain player, Debo Samuel, yes. that just went off, and I took Sam down. And not just kind of beat him. I beat him by like 25, 30 points. So I was winning going into Monday Night Football, and and Presley texted me, said Samuel is going to beat Samuel tonight by having a good – and he did. He yep. actually – he. Uh, he apparently he had this big run right before halftime. Mark texted me, game over. And I'm I like, could go no. to bed knowing I won. <laughs> but <laughs> – it's not about winning or losing. It's just about beating the pastor. <laughs> so, but back to where we were. Let's let's dive in. We uh, you taught this week, Sam, about Romans fourteen, uh, one through twelve, I believe, and kind of do not pass judgment. Why don't you kind of walk through that sermon a little? And if you haven't heard the sermon, you can go to firstmckinney.com slash on demand. You can watch, hear, listen to the sermon there. There's several other ways out there, but that's kind of the best way to get there quickly. Yeah. So Romans 14 and beginning of 15 is a 
doozy. Uh, it is one of those passages in Romans that is talked about often is controversial because it's talking about controversy in the church. Apparently there was a division going on between the Jews and the Gentile believers, and some thought that you needed to abide by a certain diet, apparently without any meat, with no alcohol, uh, certain days, probably Sabbath day, the feast days, in order to be uh, following Jesus appropriately. Uh, we don't think that this is, they thought that you had to do that to be saved, because Paul reacted very differently in Galatians. He actually poses Peter to his face once when it looked like he was leading people to think that the gospel required you to follow the kosher laws or, or the different, you know, but, but this was instead, what does it look like as now we're, we are Christians by grace through faith, how do we live in obedience? And there was a division because some thought I needed to do that, some thought I don't need to do that. So what does it look like to handle issues like this? And so we titled it, How Do You Handle Matters of Personal Conviction? Uh, one of the commentaries I read said this is matters of conscience, uh, things that the Bible is not abundantly clear on uh, that you, yes, and how do you get to the point? Actually, one of the questions is going to talk about this in a second, of figuring out what this is. We'll, we'll let that question guide us there. So what, what, what does it look like to handle matters of personal conviction? The first thing he says we're not to look down on other Christians. Uh, he uses the word judge five different times in the passage. Our English has actually six different times, and one of those is the Bema seat. It's a different kind of judgment. The, the judgment he's talking about here is us not just evaluating the other person, but condemning the other person, uh, finding fault in the other person. And so we're looking down on the other person. So don't look down on other Christians. He uses the words despise, literally to see them as beneath you. Don't look down on other people because of their personal convictions. Instead, what do we do? Well, he says, well, if you have convictions in your life, you need to try to do everything that you feel like God is calling you to do for the glory of God. So we said, look up to Christ. So in matters of personal conviction, don't look down on other Christians that have different personal convictions, uh, things that could be controversial as we look at Scripture. Instead, look up to Christ and everything you do, right? You do it to serve the Lord. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. If you're eating, he says, honor the Lord. If you're not eating, honor the Lord. Get your eyes on the Lord and do what you can to bring glory and honor to the Lord with how you live. So again, how to handle matters of personal conviction. Don't look down on other Christians. Look up to Christ. Wow. Good stuff. Again, you can go listen to that. Uh, he, at one point, I appreciated you sat down and you actually stepped on, I think you used the word meddling, which sounds like Scooby-Doo or something like that, <laughs> that little kids were meddling. But uh, you were stepping on toes and you kind of pushed back and, you, and I, I like you even told about an instance, someone wrote in and said, you should dress a certain way when you preach. And then another person wrote in and said the exact opposite. Uh, you should dress a certain way when you preach and you were kind of... It, I like how you presented both sides. And so that actually leads into the first question, uh, and you were just referencing it about personal conviction, but this person wrote in, how do you know the difference between personal conviction and sin? And if we have, if we have a personal convention, conviction, does that mean that we, what we are doing is sinful? You know, and they, they kind of go on a little bit to say, um, how do we know that it's biblically correct? Yeah. It's, Great question. 
I attempted to try to clarify this on Sunday, and I don't think I did it well. In fact, one hour did it more thoroughly than the other hour. I have an idea. Right. Let's create a podcast and let you kind of clarify a little bit. Yes, there you go. Uh, d- dive deeper. That'd be yeah, a good idea. Yeah, with Sam Holm, we could do that, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, I believe that many issues the Bible is abundantly clear on. In fact, even consistent Old Testament, New Testament teaching the same thing. Some of the items in the Old Testament after Christ, we're clearly told that we're freed from, and this is what this passage is, is looking at specifically, these cultural specific laws. But it was in the Bible. We now, through Christ, have seen him come and perfectly fulfill those Old Testament laws in and of himself, and then free up, and they saw it through the move of the gospel and acts that led to the Jerusalem council saying, hey, you don't have to do these things uh, to be a Christian. However, okay, some people may still have convictions in their life around something that the Bible is not abundantly clear on. And so we talked about some of those things. Where should your kids go to school, right? Uh, what, what do you need to wear to go to worship? Uh, yeah, uh, different political parties and, and what uh, yeah, that stuff that can become like, whoa. Um, okay, the Bible is clear in a lot of things relating to that. Right, that we're supposed to train up a child in the way he should go when he's old. Not yes, the Bible is clear that we're in the world, not of the world. Yes, the Bible is clear about some of the policies that the government makes decisions on. What is biblical in that line and the character of leaders? And I mean, so you can argue different. The difference, I believe, personal conviction, biblical clarity, uh, is the Bible is just abundantly clear. Uh, it's not something you can argue from Scripture on another side. Now, personal conviction you can still have when there's some gray area. Uh, It is sin, I believe, Paul's telling you here, even in verses 5 through 9, that if you have a conviction against doing something, it would be wrong for you to do that. And I, I believe the Holy Spirit gives some people convictions against some things that actually protects them from going into sin through those things. And so, uh, yes, uh, personal conviction for one person can be different than another person, but you should live if you're following Jesus in line with your conviction. So how do you clarify that? Well, he does say you need to be fully convinced in your own mind. And so I, I believe that Paul encourages us to dive deep, to do this, right? To dig into Scripture, to, to get to the point where we can strongly say, I'm convinced, I think, in my mind, this is right or wrong. And I, I do think, even to clarify a little bit, um, which is what you're trying to do, you were talking about, and you said this at the very first of this, you're talking about believers, you know, yes, yes. And, and there's a fine line there, but if if you have friends, and hopefully you do, that don't know Christ, because that's that's how we're expanding the kingdom is leading people to Christ. So hopefully you have those friends, they're going to act like sinners. Yes. So those personal convictions, and the passage here is dealing with believers and believers. It's yes. not dealing with believers and sinners. It's good. You know, so sometimes we're arguing those things, and I think. You didn't mention that on Sunday because you were talking about believers, but sometimes we're upset and we relate those personal convictions. They should act a certain way or do something. They're sinners. They don't know Christ. Yeah, and Christians also still sin often. Correct, yes. correct, but you know what I'm yes, trying to say by saying that. It's a good, so. good point of clarity. Um, but speaking of, because I was just talking about friendships with that, how do we um, build deep friendships in the church? 
with people, and that was a question that came in, with people of different personal convictions? Awesome question. I love that you're even asking the question. I think that the, the, this passage, even in itself, you back up and you look at it. For, for God, He wanted a church that would be unified, but not uniform. That that there is a I'd say that that was great right there. <laughs> well, I'm sure unified, somebody smarter than me said it. I'm but jumping. not uniform. Yeah, no, unified. We'll give you credit. Unified, but not uniform. Yes, and so he wants us to be in relationship with other Christians that have different convictions, because I think it does grow us personally. Uh, I, I mentioned blind spots in one of the services on Sunday. That the the danger in just being around people that only see life the way you do is you don't have anyone that could be prompting you to think: Is this actually just a conviction, or is the Bible really clear? Or maybe I'm wrong in this area. The words Paul uses: Maybe I'm the weak brother, not the strong brother, in the way I'm looking at this. Uh, so. Yeah, how do you build friendships? I think you need to, what Paul talks about in this passage is not to look down. Uh, you, you, if you want to be a friend, you're not going to be a friend with someone that actually is constantly looking down on you. Uh, how do you build a friendship is you, you even if someone has a different conviction, you don't look at them as less than you. Uh, you, you instead say, hey, we're, we're following Jesus together here. What can I learn from you as you're following Christ? So you're saying, like, if my kids go to public school. I can be friends with someone that, or or someone that went to homeschool. I could be friends with them. Well, the homeschool kid may be a little more awkward. I know that from personal experience. I've but... met some pretty awkward public school kids yeah, okay, too. But... <laughs> it's those private school kids you got to watch out for. If you know what I'm saying. But um, okay, this has never happened. This is new frontier for us. Okay, I actually received a text while we started recording. What? So I'm no going to read this. It's okay. like now a call-in show. Nice. But yes, yeah, so if if you can actually figure out when we're recording, which changes a little bit each week, you are also welcome to send in text. Just text question is, at 96123. This is throwing me off because you have printed out all these <clears throat> yeah, questions. Yeah, but I, I think in. you got this one. We were just kind of talking about it, but I just want to make sure I read it because we were just literally talking about friendships. But how do we determine which things are essential and therefore would need unity? Do we err on the side of unity or liberty? Wow. Uh, so uh, the word essential that was brought and out. You we, can also call in. Yes, you can also text it. Yeah. Um, the, we, we used a quote on Sunday that is an old quote. History of the Church is often attributed to St. Augustine. We actually don't have in his writing specific from his hand that he said this, but maybe he did say this, but it's been used for hundreds and hundreds of years. In essentials, unity in non-essentials, liberty, and all things, charity, which charity is love. What's that quote saying? Okay, the things that are essential, we need to be unified in. The things that are non-essential, we need liberty in. And I think Paul's addressing non-essential issues here in the church, obviously, because he's telling them to continue to function together. How, how do we how do we figure, out, figure that out? Well, again, the two places where Paul reacts very differently is one around gospel. If people are saying, you need to do something in order to be saved, that's something that should divide you. I mean, he at one point says that you, twice in, in Galatians 1, curse the person that's that way. Like, Christians are supposed to curse people. 
and then at one point castrate in chapter 5 of Galatians if they're teaching you that you need to do something yourself in order to earn your way into heaven. It's not that. It's what Jesus has done. So that, that I think, is an essential issue. The other one that he brings up, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, is a sin issue in the church that was graphic and gross, and it was causing division in the body. People knew about it, and it was like, what's going on? And it was this guy who was sleeping with his mother-in-law, and he's like, that person has, that, that he's been, a, 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 yeah, he needs to be pushed out of fellowship with with the church. Uh, now, there's an in-between there, right? How do we we fall on I do think we have to keep looking at what is the Bible abundantly clear on. And if the Bible is abundantly clear, you, you'll see on our website there's a statement of faith that we have, and there's 10 points on our statement of faith. Here, here's what we believe as a church, and it's kind of where we've kind of fallen on, hey, this is, this is what we think is most important for us. Uh, we think the Bible is abundantly clear on these issues. You can look at them if you want to. Um, if the Bible's not clear, then maybe that's not essential. Yeah. I think Jeff, uh, Jeff Warren, former pastor, he actually spoke a few weeks, ago. One, a yeah. few weeks ago during the 150, and you and I talked about this in mm-hmm. your preparation, um, core, non-core. Yes. You know, you're saying essential, uh, but core, non-core. And to clarify, St. Augustine, Augustine was, who was he? Oh, he was an early church father. Yes. Okay. Yes. From Carthage. Yes. Yes. North Africa. Many don't know the early church the major leaders, Origen, St. Augustine, Carthage, that's North Africa. They voted on the New Testament canon in that area. Yes, yes. My brother has a PhD in church history. And oh. I'm just clarifying for him in case he's listening. Oh, yeah, there you go. Um, but uh, just talking through that, and uh, you talked about kind of that that friendship, how to form those kind of things, but how do we deal with someone? Uh, and this person asked, actually wrote in, how would you deal with people who live in willing habitual sin? In other words, they let's call sin personal conviction just for the argument of this. They're, they're, and we argued, well, not for the argument of this, sorry, let me clarify that statement. We talked about the difference between personal conviction and sin, but how do we deal with the person that is dealing, that is living in habitual sin? Yeah. And that could be lots of different things. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think the example has to be for us Christ, right? Uh, Christ said, uh, if you're going to know a tree by its fruit, right? And uh, so if they're living in continual, habitual, unrepentant sin, I think that you treat them as if they are not a real tree, like they don't have mm-hmm. root, right? And and so what do you do? Well, you love your neighbor, right? You, you show them love, you inter- encourage them towards Christ, uh, you don't treat them as if they're another believer, so you're not looking to their life to be someone to guide you or disciple you or to train you, right? Uh, instead, you're trying to show them the love of Christ and what He has done for us to die on the cross, reminding them of that often and all the time. Um, I think that's that's what we do for someone who's living in habitual sin. And I think that goes back to the believer-non-believer mm-hmm. um, issue also. Are they a believer? Um, and then in, in that case, the Bible does talk about, you know, go to them, talk to them, that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, but, and if they're not a believer, let's try to uh, love them and and show them Jesus in our actions, for sure. Um, now, a parent wrote in, and I'm saying a parent because the tone of the question that kind of deals with not the habitual sin, but um, kind of from the other side, and I, I feel their pain. My, my kids don't necessarily do this, but I feel their pain. But... Um, 
how do you mold, shape, disciple, lead your teenager, teenagers? And I do you disciple. I'm going to interrupt that question and say, you're talking about when you were talking about, you know, what's core, non-core mm-hmm. and, and living, uh, meeting with people, doing life together with people that maybe have a little bit different personal conviction than you. I think that is part of discipleship. Absolutely. Which is one of our core things here at First McKinney is discipleship. Yes. You know, and that's the great thing. You you mentioned a D team all the time. That's one of the great things that they'll read scripture and you read scripture and you kind of, you don't debate it out, but you talk it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the great things. But anyways, this mm-hmm. parent, they're molding, shaping, disciple, leading your teenagers, calling them up to be Christ-like. And I love that, calling them up to be Christ-like. Um, when they begin quoting, do not judge scriptures back at you. How do you handle that? That's very specific. but uh, And you could insert friend there instead of teenager. You could insert a lot of different words. Parents instead of teenager, a lot of... But what do you do when someone starts quoting these do not judge me scriptures back at you? So I should flip the coin because you've been parenting teenagers a little longer than I have. Do you have a good response uh, I before I, I give I you one? I think if I had the if I had the answer, I'd be a very wealthy man. Let's just say that there'd be a a book out there. Uh, I would say you have to love them through that. That's that's what I would say. And I love what they wrote at the beginning of this, mm-hmm. calling them up to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I I do believe just in my own. Uh, you know, we all raise our kids a little bit different, but I do believe in setting standards, mm-hmm. and I do believe in strong structure. Um, not necessarily strong discipline all the time, but setting that structure for them. I do believe in discipline. Let me clarify that statement. But (laughs) I I didn't want strong in front of discipline in that. But I do believe there's a structure to that. And uh, teenagers will be teenagers, and friends will be friends. And there are those moments when uh, you just have to truly love them and pray them into the kingdom and and love them beyond that. And they're watching you. Mm -hmm. And Everything I've known, I mean, I have a 16-year-old and a 13-year-old and two more coming up real fast in the teenage years. And uh, from working with teens for all that, I know they're watching me, too, and they're going to push back. That's part of being a teenager and kind of test your limits. Mm -hmm. And there are days when your limits are truly tested. And I have great kids. Hear me. If they're listening to this, I am super proud of my four kids and, and almost tears in my eyes saying, very proud of who they are and who they're becoming. Yeah. And especially Champ has started leading worship in the youth and even seeing him just rise to that occasion and be a leader. And that's what I hope for my kids. And so I try to show them that. Yeah. And it's it's more even teaching by example. So I don't have a real good answer when they start arguing back, but I know you need to remain calm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and arguing back with them doesn't solve it. Yeah. Uh, but there is that structure that needs to exist. So it's huge. Huge, dude. I, I I love y'all. Need to hear. He wasn't just saying he's tearing up. His eyes are red right now as he talks about his kids. My my uh, kids make fun of me because I cry at just about every movie. If if the if the dad says I'm proud of you, I start crying for some reason. So they so, are always make. We're watching Spider Man and I'm crying and they're making fun of me. So, yeah. dude, I think if you know my kids, they make fun of me a lot. So. You know, and I, I would add to like one. You're a great father. I've I've seen that in your life, and and I've actually you know this. I've copied some of the things that you do with your kids, and and tried to take it into our home. Um, the the word there, judge, uh, I think is pushed back on when they feel like we're looking down on them again, and that's that's the uh, it's 
different if you're parenting a non-believing teenager than if you're parenting a believing teenager, I think. And uh, I, I honestly look up, genuinely, I look up to our oldest daughter in different areas. Uh, so how, how does that play out? I think it's important that they see that you, you don't have a double standard as a parent, that this is something that you believe enough in that you're trying to live in line with it yourself, and it's because you love them, not because you look down on them, that you're calling them not to do something that you're not trying to do, but to go the direction that you see that God's Word calls us to that's best for both of you, right? And sometimes that means also being open and honest about weaknesses in your own heart and life. You don't have to be graphic and detailed and con- confess specific sin issues, but but being open and honest and saying, hey, I'm, I'm wrestling with this right now and this right now. I'm not looking down on you. This is something that I do, I'm doing because I love you, and we're walking together in this uh, towards Christ. And and I'm not an expert in any way, form, or fashion. Uh, I know your father uh, ran a camp, runs a camp for troubled teens. I worked with troubled teens, mm-hmm. for, uh, actually doing wilderness survival mm. for several summers, and then was a house parent for several things. And what I learned in that time that I've carried on to my parent parenting is it's leading by example and never ask a kid something you're not willing to do. Yeah. And usually when they're arguing back with you, they're not seeing it in your life. Mm -hmm. In other words, as simple as is your room clean? Are you asking them to clean their room and your room's not clean? Those kind of little things, even like that, Mm -hmm. which is a very practical example, but um, usually that's where I see the arguments come in play more and more. It's, something I'm not willing to do, which is what you were just saying, and I'm asking them to do it. Yeah, and they need to see that you recognize you have faults. When was the last time your kids heard you say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Um, yeah, good. So, um, okay, uh, two more questions. I think we can get to this, but this one I think was important because you talked in a lot of your sermon about, and this one was emailed in, but um, you talked a lot about how we react to personal convictions uh, when, when and not to judge others, what happens when they're coming at us and they're attacking us? How do we handle that? So glad you ask, whoever it is that asks. Uh, this is where he's going next, right? He's been talking first specifically towards the 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 weaker brother. Now he he's going to then talk to the person who's being judged. I believe in the next part of Romans chapter fifteen, who also judges back. I mean, I think that goes back and forth. What what does it look like for you, right, if someone else has issue with something you're doing in your life? And he's going to say a famous phrase. It's not just from this passage. He'll say it three different times in this passage. It's not to make, not to become a stumbling block for that other person. Uh, so if that person is judging something that you're doing, he's saying you need to actually shift the way you're living so that you don't make them trip up and fall and stumble. Usually you're being judged because they have conviction against what you're doing. And it's it's a tricky, tricky, like, again, how, how do we do this? Does this mean we, we don't do anything that anyone in the world could have anything against? Like, we, that means we do nothing, right? Um, but it says we're not to be a stumbling block for that person who's judging us. Your, your, your reaction might want to be the opposite, right? You want, to, you want to throw it back in their face, but instead you look for, well, what is it in my life that I'm doing 
that they have conviction against? How can I adjust my life so that I'm not a stumbling block for them? And so that's what's coming Sunday. Come back. Yeah. So he's basically saying uh, the next part of, so we were 14, through one through 12, 12 yep. and, and the next, that's what he's addressing. And uh, so I love that question. I do think it's interesting. You just said it there and I'm going to put it in another way. Uh, they're arguing with you because they're uncomfortable because what you're doing is showing them Jesus and, and they're, something is coming to light, you know, go back to that light and darkness. I can't remember. I think that was Justin. It might've been you right before that in Romans, but comparing the light and darkness, they see Jesus in you in some way Mm. and it makes them uncomfortable a little bit with their own personal convictions and questions. Why am I doing that? Why have I always done that? Yeah. You know, or it could be that you're eating meat and you're drinking wine, which is what it'll say here specifically. And they have conviction against that. Yeah. And so maybe they're not necessarily even seeing Jesus in your life. They're seeing you do something they think is wrong. Well, how do you not make them stumble? How do you adjust the way you're living to not trip them up? And I said we had one more. I think that actually is a good one to end on. Okay. And I didn't say this at the first, but if you will like and share this, I know we took a little bit of a break as we talked with different ministers, but um, we just want to make sure this hits the ground running. And and we're doing this to try to help our congregation in the world, you know, uh, more than that, to share beyond the walls of just Sunday morning. Uh, that you can go a little deeper. Maybe this will help your walk in some way. And I would say if you see Sam or I or one of the tech guys, uh, let us know about this because we want to make this better for you. Um, Because we get to do this on a regular basis as he prepares for his message to talk back and forth about what he's going to say, what God has to say through him, all that kind of thing. So be sure to like, share, comment, let us know all those things you would normally do on that. And again, you can text question in 96123. Sam, I'm going to give you the last word, but I do want to say, if you want to catch up on any of the sermons or the past podcasts, you can do that however you normally listen. And the sermons, I said that earlier, are at firstmckinney.com slash on demand. They're all there uh, for you to hear, enjoy, share, like those also. Yeah. So I'll give you the last word. Uh, this is something I, I rarely do. I would ask that you would pray for me as I prep for this Sunday, because I, the, the, again, this passage is significantly controversial. And maybe what I preached this last Sunday, you have a conviction different than the way it came out on Sunday. And if that's the case, I would say on some level, that looks like that's what God wants in the church. Like Paul's teaching a church how to live together and be in relationship with people who have different convictions. But, but ask the Holy Spirit to teach me. I don't pretend to think that I get this all right. I really, really don't. And especially as we're teaching through passages that are about division and controversy in the church, pray that God would allow it to be clear and the Spirit to, to guide uh, what's coming. And just before we go, I do want to say, in kind of a joking matter, Sam takes on Andrew, who handles the podcast for us, he takes on Andrew this week. So stay tuned to next week to see if Andrew can come from behind and beat Sam. So I'm looking at Andrew's face right now. The the sound might not be high quality next week because I'm going to beat him significantly. I just know it's coming. Well, it's just good to know that the two-time champion has gone down. But I do ask, (laughs) as we close out, just take a moment uh, as you turn off this podcast or move on to the next one. Just take a moment and do pray for Sam. But thank you for joining us.
Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting question to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.